Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. Today we're going to talk about a subject that I believe is relevant. Something we can all relate to, and that's death. Uh, I imagine everyone here knows someone who has went into eternity. And I think if we're honest, we've all considered the fact that we're going to go into eternity at some point. And so today let's talk about uh, this subject, which many try to avoid. But uh, honestly, folks, it's best to uh, address it and to deal with it and be prepared for it. And so we'll talk about this subject of death. And the title of the message is The Plea of a Dying Man. The Plea of a Dying Man. And we're going to talk about Hezekiah. And we're going to see how God worked in a great way uh, in the life of Hezekiah and how God extended his life, gave him more years uh, so that he could live. And you know, as far as the message this morning, the, the whole thought here is not necessarily that we want longer unless God wants to give us more years. But the thought is that God can do great things, and we must take our cares and concerns to the Lord. Uh, you know, as far as Hezekiah, his life was... Uh, I guess what I suppose, his death was deterred, and it was put off, but he eventually had to face death like everyone else. Uh, and so we're going to look at his life here, we're going to look at his, his prayer that he prayed unto God. Now there's a lot in this portion here, we're just going to focus on his prayer, and the heart of this man who sought God and the, the plea of a dying man. And so, here's how I want to start. Notice uh, we find a helpless person, a helpless person. Uh, Hezekiah had no strength to help himself. No strength whatsoever. Uh, first off, he was dying. And you notice the, the prophet didn't need to tell him that. It seems like he already knew that. He already knew that he was dying. He already knew that this illness was taking his life. Basically, the prophet told him to put your house in order. It's going to happen. Just get ready. Uh, and uh, it's not necessarily prophecy. That was just good advice from Isaiah to get ready. Put your house in order. Make sure you're ready to depart this world. That's something I think all of us should at least consider. Are you ready to go into eternity? Because we don't know when it's going to happen. Um, We think, or we might believe we have a long time or many years ahead, but nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. Uh, We must make sure we're ready today to face God and to stand before the Lord. And of course, make sure you're saved. You've accepted Christ as your Savior. And that's how you prepare your heart and your soul to stand before God, receive Christ as your Savior. Well, anyway, we find here that he was dying. And the Bible tells us he he was hurt. He was discouraged over this. Uh, Emotionally, spiritually, uh, we find him here. Bible mentions him crying, weeping, hurting. He turns himself uh, against the wall. Let's let's look at some of the passages here in verse 20. Uh, At the end of verse 3, it says, After his prayer, it says, He wept sore. Uh, And as far as his prayer itself, verse 2 says, He turned his face to the wall. Uh, You know what this tells us? One, he was in bed. He couldn't get out. That's what it's telling us here. Uh, he, this illness put him down. It knocked him down. Uh, and he could not get out. So we find him physically unable to do anything. And, and then as far as spiritually, emotionally, he, he's hurting. He's weeping and, he, and he's crying over this situation. Uh, here's a question. Was he afraid? I don't know. He might have been. He might have been fearful. You know, death is fearful because it's the unknown. It's We don't know. I mean, we know what the Bible tells us, but as far as actually going, it's a new journey. It's something that each of us will face when the time comes. 
others have gone before us, but I don't know of anyone outside of Christ who's been able to come and say, this is what it's like. You see, it's something new. It's, it's something unknown. And the uncertain and the unknown can cause fear. Uh, what we find here, this man here, I think, probably had a little bit of fear uh, as far as facing death. We, we must also consider that he, he knew less about death than we do. And let me explain this. Uh, I believe Hezekiah was a man who loved God. So that means he put faith. He had faith in the Lord. But you know, Christ had yet come. Christ had been promised to come. Now we live on the other side of Christ's arrival. Folks, you know, Christ, not only, did he, not only did he come to this earth, but he died on the cross. He went to the grave, and three days later he arose. Amen. You know, that's a fact. That's not something that we look to. That, that happened. That's done. That's finished. Christ is alive today. So when we think about death as Christians today, uh, our, our viewpoint is different than the Old Testament saints. They were living a little bit more by faith than we have to. Uh, there's facts there. there. There's evidence of Christ's life afterwards. And so what we have is we have more facts to put into. And then, of course, you read the scriptures, there's more teachings on heaven in the New Testament. Hezekiah didn't have any of that. He's going by faith. But, so his faith was tested here. And he may have had a little bit of fear as far as going forward and going into death. Uh, also, here's another thought too. Maybe he was saddened or discouraged because he's going to lose out on some time on earth to serve the Lord. It's believed he was only 39 years old when this happened. I say only because I'm older than 39 now, so I can say that. He was only 39. He was a young guy. Only 39 years old. Had life ahead of him. Had so many more years that he probably wanted to do some things. And, and as we talked, he was a good man. He loved the Lord. And so he wanted to continue leading his kingdom after God. Wanted more time for God, more, more time to glorify God to, with family, with friends, and, and just life in general. So we find a man here who could not change this. It, it was beyond his power. And that's the first thought I'll give to you. If he could change it, he would have. You know, I always think of salvation when it comes to being helpless. You know, we can't save ourselves. If we could, we would. We need a Savior, and that's Christ. Christ was sent to die on the cross for our sin. Christ was sent so we could have life. Christ was sent to do what we could not do, which is live a perfect life, make the payment for sin, come out of that grave and live so we can have life. Praise the Lord for Christ every single day. You know, here in a few weeks we have the resurrection service, but every Sunday we should praise God. Every Sunday we meet, the first day of the week, thank God that He's alive and that He arose. And if you put your faith in Christ, you receive Him. You repent and believe, then you will be saved and you can have life. Hope and pray you're saved here this morning. Make sure you're saved because you can't save yourself. You need Christ's help. Let's move on to the next point here. Hezekiah was humble. Hezekiah was humble. We're going to begin looking into his prayer a little bit as far as being humble. Notice the Bible says here in verse 2, Then he turned his face to the wall and he prayed on the lord saying i beseech thee you know that word beseech means to beseech means to beg or to plead that, that that implies humility when you beg somebody or you're pleading with someone and that's what we find here we find a humble heart we don't find a man now he's going to be talking about what he had done and how he was faithful but let me point out to you that that wasn't bragging as we'll see here in a little bit he's claiming some promises of god no we find a, a king who was humble before god you know, pride's a big problem today. That's what keeps many people from coming to Christ, is pride. They don't want to admit that they need help. They don't want to admit that they've sinned. You know, I had a conversation with a man once, 
And by the way, he's saved today, but at the time he wasn't. And we had a conversation, and it went like this pretty much. Everything I said, I said, you know, the Bible says that's not right, what you're doing. Well, he had an answer to everything. It wasn't right, but he justified. Well, this, this, this. And the conversation went on for about 20 minutes. Uh, we worked together years back. And finally, I, said, I looked at him. I said, you don't need to be saved, do you? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, you don't sin. You're perfect. And he just got quiet. And he was like, what do you mean I don't sin? I said, well, everything that I said the Bible says is sin, you've got an answer for it. He turned around and walked away. He came back later. I said, we, we worked together. He came back later and said, you know, I guess I do sin sometimes. Well, you know what? It was probably about five years later after I left. I found out later that he had put his faith in Jesus Christ. He got a hold of me later. We talked. He's a Christian now. God has saved his soul. But he told me, he said, he goes, it took a while. He goes, but I realized I'm a, I was a sinner. Folks, we have to realize we've sinned against God. That we need God's help. And, and that draws us to our knees, basically. It's humility. And we need that humility before God. And, and this man here was humble. And even after we're saved, we still need to remain humble before God. It's God who has power. It's God who can help. And so here he is. He's turning to God. He's beseeching. He's pleading. And he's begging. And what we find is a man who... Not only is he humble, but he's going to God during this time. You know, the the thought is, uh, you know, trials or troubles will either draw you closer to God or or drive you away from God. That's usually what happens. People either draw closer to God or they'll they'll get bitter and upset and angry over the situation. And it'll drive them away from God. Be careful of that. Make sure you're drawing closer to God during your difficult times. And that's what he did. He, he drew closer to God. He's praying. He's talking to God. You know, I read recently about a businessman. This took place uh, at the turn of the century. Uh, he uh, was very prominent in business in New York City. Very prominent uh, to the point where he was a rising star. I mean, he's going fast. Wealthy. Pretty much everything you'd want. But he put his whole life into this. That's what he was doing. Non-stop. 24-7 working. Well, he took ill. And not just a cold. It was a serious condition. Doctors told him, you may not recover from this. And it knocked him down, put him in bed. Months passed. He was still in bed. Uh, Businesses had to be turned over. Things had to be changed. He, He had enough money to live off of, and his family was still with him. But his whole life changed as far as his business and everything he used to do. Basically, this man who who never stopped could no longer get up. He's sitting in bed. Uh, This man who was active was now sitting there waiting. Well, one day he had a friend come by to visit him. And the story goes, very few of his business friends ever visited him. Isn't it something? You find out who your friends are when difficulties come. Well, very few of his business friends visited. One day, one of his business friends came by that used to do business with him. And they began talking. And after about, you know, a small talk for about five, ten minutes, his friend looked down and he said, How are you doing? Truthfully, tell me. He said, How are you doing? Sitting here in bed like this every day. And the answer the man said this. He said, Now I have grown. Is his answer. He said, Now I have grown. He said, Before, all I did was run around in activity. He said, but now I have grown, and every day I'm growing in the knowledge of God. I'm growing in the knowledge of myself and my family. He said, my life is better now than it was before. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we need to be 
stopped or to slow down before we draw closer to God. Hezekiah is drawing closer to God now. He's drawing closer to the Lord. Now, you don't always have to have trials. Draw close to God today, whether you're having a trial or not. But trials tend to bring us to God. And that's what happened here with Hezekiah. The Bible says he turned his against the wall. What this implies is that he's going to talk to God privately. He couldn't get up and leave the room. He couldn't go off somewhere else and pray, so he turned where he could talk to God privately. And he could have a conversation with the Lord. You know, I want to encourage you to talk to God privately. Private prayer is important. Take time to talk to God. Make time to pray. Share your cares, your concerns. Pray for others. Talk to God, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, evening. Talk to God all day. You know, uh, it was the practice of David and Daniel. Both talked to God three times a day. That's good practice. Talk to God throughout your day and and set aside time three times a day to talk to the Lord, even if it's for a few minutes, to to share your cares with God and talk to God. And and Hezekiah now is going to God because he's got a problem. And you'll notice in his prayer, he didn't make any demands. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say, Lord, do this. He didn't even ask for a certain amount of time. It was God who granted it. Again, that reminds us of humility. Here's what he did. He just poured his heart out to God and asked God, Basically, God, here's my situation. I need help. You know, this morning, I want to encourage you to do that. You may not be facing the same trial that Hezekiah is, but if you have a difficulty or a trial of some sort, just pour your heart out to God. Just share it with Him. Ask Him to help you. Whether it's wisdom, maybe you're in a situation where there's something going on like Hezekiah, you can't change it. You have no power over it. Say, God, will you get involved? Will you you work in a great way? And ask God to work and just pour out your heart to God. And that's what he did. It's, it's humbling to do that, by the way. It's humbling to, to just pour your heart out and ask God for help. But that's when God hears. And this is another thought I have here on his prayer. Notice he was honest. He was honest. What I mean by this is we don't find a man who's coming to God uh, with all these, um, you know, I guess you say dishonesties or trying to deceive or trying to get his way. By the way, God already knows all things, so there's no sense of being dishonest with God to begin with. Since He knows all things, let's just be honest with Him from the front and just share our cares and our concerns. If you've messed up, say, God, I've messed up. He knows you've messed up. If you've made a mistake, say, God, I've made a mistake. Please forgive me. God, I did this. I need some help. Please help me. And so just being honest with God. Start with honesty and being straightforward. And that's what we find here. Uh, He didn't want to die is what it amounts to. This man was hurting. He didn't want to die. Uh, I can relate. You know, I'm looking forward to heaven. But I'm enjoying life right now. I thank the Lord for being able to live today and being able to serve Him. And so what we find here is He didn't want to die. He wanted more time. He wanted more time here. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting a long life on earth. Nothing wrong with that. Let me give you some scriptures. First, uh, Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So first... If you want a long life, let's make sure we want to glorify God with it and use it correctly. That's the first thought. As it says there, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Not so we can go out and just live unto ourselves, go enjoy all the, the, the pleasures of the world, but we can be wise on this earth. Make some good decisions and glorify God. But you know, a faithful servant, I think, wants longer time. I read where someone put it this way. You know, farmers, during the harvest, they wish they could have more hours in a day so they could get more work done. You know, as Christians, we should pray that God will give us more time to tell more people about Christ. 
There's more people out there that need Christ. How about Joshua in the Old Testament? He wanted a longer day and he got it. He asked God for, for more hours. And what did God do? He, he suspended the sun up there. And why did Joshua want it? Not so he could go and tell everyone that it happened. So he could have a victory and glorify God. So there's nothing wrong with wanting longer life or more years or more days. So long as it's for the right reason and we want to glorify God with that. I think it's a, it's a good desire, a good request to want a long life, to please God and to live for Him. Uh, the late Lyman Beecher was a, a pastor. He was a Presbyterian, so we'll forgive him of that. But he was a, a pastor for many years. And it was said that when he was after his 70th birthday, one of his children congratulated him on his life. And his labors, but also in the in the process of the congratulations, said, "Aren't you glad that you're basically, you know, your life's almost over, that your labors are near ending, and it's almost done?" And it says that uh, Lyman Beecher looked. He said, "I don't thank my children uh, for sending me to heaven till God does." In other words, uh, I'm ready to go, but not till God wants me. And that's how it should be. Later in his life, when he was nearing the end of his life, in one of his messages, he said this. He said, if God should tell me what I might choose, he says that is if God was willing to give me the choice, whether to die and go to heaven or to begin my life over again, I would enlist in a minute. And afterwards he explained, he said, there's nothing greater than being able to serve God. And think about that. Yeah, there's trials down here. There's troubles. And I'm looking forward to heaven. But I'm grateful to be able to serve God. Isn't it wonderful to see someone saved? To see a life changed and see God work? Isn't it wonderful to be able to see God do great things here on earth and praise Him for it? That's the thought here. And Hezekiah wanted more years. He wanted more years. And, and you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting a, a longer life. You know, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that long life is a blessing. Let's go over to Psalm 91. If you have your Bibles, we'll go to Psalm 91. And let's look at verse 6, Psalm 91. And it says here in verse 6, or 16, excuse me, verse 16, With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is God's answer here as far as the prayer. With long life I'll show him my salvation. And then let's go over to a few others. Proverbs chapter 3. We'll go to Proverbs chapter 3. And we'll look at verses 1 and 2. Proverbs chapter 3, and it says in verse 1, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Uh, You know, over in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, we read another one here, Proverbs 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding for by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. You know, if you find in the scriptures, there's more passages like this, where you find a, a promise of long life, and a, the implication of seeking a long life, keeping God's commandments, being faithful, and God blessing with many years on earth. And so we find in the Old Testament, we find what we would call the fact that long life is a blessing. It's something that if, uh, to be cherished and to thank God uh, for the years that God has given you. Now, what we find also in the Bible, though, as we've read those passages there, is that there are promises to be claimed. In other words, if you keep my commandments and you're faithful, he says here, There'll be a long life. Uh, Another one that we find I didn't read, but uh, that we find not only in the Old Testament, New Testament is honor thy mother and father, that thy days may be long. We find that in the scriptures. You see, there are are commandments, we call, 
conditions, and those conditions, if they're met, if they're kept, the Bible says can lead to a long life, and God can bless. Here's the thought I'm leading into here. Okay, let's go back to to 1 Kings 20. Notice this prayer here. Verse 3 says, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. Okay, notice what he's doing in this prayer. He's not boasting of his greatness or his works. Hezekiah's not doing that. He's claiming promises here. Okay, he's laying on his deathbed. He, he, 39 years old, he doesn't want to die. He's got much he wants to do. Maybe glorify God more. He's been faithful. And so in his prayer, he says, God, you know, uh, you've said that those that keep your commandments, those that are faithful, will be blessed with long life. Well, Lord, I have kept your commandments. I have been faithful. How come my life is being cut short is the thought here in this prayer. Now, he's not being rude in any way. It's it's very humbling, and and he's very honest to God. But what we find here is he's claiming these promises. He's not living proud and saying, I've accomplished this or that. He's basically saying, God, here's what I did. I did what you said. Now, think about these promises. Think about the promises in the Bible that God wants you to claim this morning. How about we begin with salvation? Romans 10 9 through 13. Let's go over there. You know, we find promises here that you can claim. And I hope all of you have claimed these promises, or this promise. And if you have, praise God. But if you haven't, this morning I want to encourage you to claim this promise here. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Let me read it here in verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. What's that say? Thou shalt be saved. It doesn't say you might be saved. Or it could happen. No, there's a promise there. Thou shalt be saved. But there's some conditions tied to it. You know, we find here that you have to confess with thy mouth. Believe in thine heart. Okay, so there has to be some confession. That's a repentance. Then there has to be belief. That's faith. But if you do that, and you confess, and you believe in your heart... You will be saved. You, you will receive Christ. Notice that's a promise. And if you're saved here this morning, that's what you did. You claimed a promise. And that's why you're saved. You're not saved because you did anything great. You, you, you're saved because you claimed a promise. Now, let's say down the road a ways, the devil decides to discourage you, or you, you get discouraged perhaps, and you begin to doubt your salvation. Go back to this. Say, Lord, I claimed a promise. And if you claim that promise and you did that and you believed on Christ in your heart and you received Him, you're saved. Now, you may have some difficult days. There may be some discouragement. But you're still saved because God has saved you. You have claimed the promise. It's His Word. He's going to keep you saved because He's the one who saved you. See, that's what Hezekiah is doing. He is claiming a promise. He's saying, Lord, those that obey you, those that follow you, they're going to... Be blessed with long days. Let me give you another promise. How about 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth 
for you. Now let me point out a few things. Notice what it says there. Humble yourselves. That's where it begins with. You want to be exalted? You want to be lifted up? It begins with humility. There's a condition there. You've got to humble yourself before God. Before God's going to exalt you. Before He's going to lift you up. Now you say, exalt? Well, that could be anything. It could be a trial you're going through. It could be a difficulty. It could be a trouble. You humble yourself before God. Cast your care upon Him. And then you claim that promise. He's going to exalt you. He's going to lift you up. He may lift you up in heart. He may lift you up in spirit. He may lift you up out of the trial. He may give you strength to go through it. But He's going to give you strength. He's going to help you. That's the promise here. And let me give you one more. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And we'll begin in verse 1 when you get over there. John chapter 15. This is promise of what we call blessings, spiritual blessings, spiritual strength. And the promise of God working in our life. Verse 1 says, I am the true vine, my father is a husbandman. husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Notice what he says there. If you abide in Christ, you'll bring forth fruit, much fruit. Now you look at the fruit. You say, what kind of fruit is it? Galatians 5 tells us the fruit of the Spirit. But the condition there is abiding with Christ. In other words, we can't live independently without God and expect to grow and expect to produce fruit. We can't live on our own and expect to be meek or expect to be patient or to have the love of God in our heart. So you, you can still be saved, but you're going to struggle. But if you claim that promise... And you meet the condition, in other words, you abide with Christ, you remain with Him, you talk to Him, you seek to carry out His commandments, you live unto Him, then God is going to produce fruit in your life. It's going to happen. My opinion or my thought, and I've seen this in my life and I think with others, is that you're not going to have to wake up each morning and say, Lord, I want to produce fruit. You're going to abide with Christ and it's just going to happen. God's going to work in your heart. The Holy Spirit is going to work, and you're going to begin producing that fruit. There's going to be a love in your heart that comes out. And by the way, if there is no love coming out of your heart, then that means there's a problem. There's a problem within the heart. And it could be nothing more than you're just not abiding with Christ. You're not taking the time to abide with Christ. And you say, Pastor, well, how, how can I abide with Christ? That word abide means to remain. Uh, where you, you live or where you stay or where you reside. Now physically, you probably have a place where you abide. You have a home somewhere. We leave church today. You're going to go back to your house. That's where you abide physically. Spiritually, you need to abide with Christ. Okay, to begin with, you need to read His Word. Amen. Study it. Amen. Obey it. Apply it. What do you say? If you love me, keep my commandments. That's the test of love right there. We need to keep His commandments and obey Him and apply the teachings to our life. That's abiding with Christ. And then, of course, prayer. You know, He's our intercessor. He's up there on our behalf, standing before God the Father. And we can go to God in prayer. So you pray and you talk and you abide in Christ and you live for the Lord. And when you do that, you're going to produce fruit. There's going to be fruit in your life. 
Because you're abiding with Christ. See, that's a promise you can claim. And today you can claim those promises. You know, this morning there, there are many more promises. I encourage you to read the scriptures and find those and claim those. But let's get back to our text here this morning. Hezekiah was claiming a promise. That's what I wanted to point out to you. He wasn't just saying these things to show how good he was or try to impress God. Basically, he was saying, Lord, this is what I've done. I've done what you've asked. And that leads us to my next thought here. And this is the the final one this morning. He was hopeful. There was some hope here. In the midst of his difficult situation, on a bed, unable to get up, basically told, get your house in order because you're going to die soon, he still found hope. And that hope was in God. You know, this morning, there's always hope when it comes to God. There's always hope. So don't give up. Don't quit early. You know, you may look and say, well, things don't seem to be going my way. Or things don't seem to be going the way I would like them to go. Well, don't quit. Don't give up. Take it to God. Ask God for help. Ask God for strength. Ask God to bless you. He did for Hezekiah. You know, it's interesting when we see the blessings that God does. Uh, well, let's talk about God's work and God's power. The miracles. This is a miracle here, by the way. Okay, He's given 15 more years. That's the answer. God said, here's 15 more years. So we have a man who's about ready to die on his deathbed and and basically said, no, I'm going to give you 15 more years. I'm going to answer your prayer. I would say that's a miracle. That's amazing, a miracle. But when you think about God's miracles and God's works, they're done in ways where God gets the glory and God gets the credit. That's what a miracle is. Something only God can do. Something that we look and say, wow, look what God did. Well, to have a miracle or have something great happen, you have to have what we'd call the right settings. Now, let me give you an example with Hezekiah. He couldn't be given 15 more years if he didn't have 15 more years. Does that make sense? He had to get to this point in his life where basically he had no more years to count. Before God would work a miracle and give him 15 more years. You see, God may be taking you through a difficult time or allowed you to have a difficult time so he can bless you in a great way. In a way that you would look and say, wow, God did this for me. God did this for my family. God did this for our church. God has done something great. But God waits to do it. In a time when we would recognize it as being something great. Let me give you an example. What if, what if Hezekiah just had a sore throat? And he went in. Doctor said, uh, it's not looking too good. And then Hezekiah said, well, Lord, help me with 15 more years. And God gave him 15 more years. You know what? It could have been easily have said, uh, oh, you weren't dying anyway. You just had a sore throat. Uh, you weren't dying. You, you had these 15 years. You see, God waited until the time was right. And then God blessed so here's my thought here. Don't give up on God. Because the time for the prayer that you've been answering, asking for, the answer to the, your prayer, it just may not be time yet. Just So keep asking. Keep going to Him. Keep waiting. Be patient. Allow God to work. And when He works, then give Him the glory. And give Him the credit. So Hezekiah was hopeful. He had hope in God. And this morning, I believe all of us have hope in God. Alright? That's, that's why God's so wonderful. Because God can do great things. So here's how I'm going to close this here this morning. Does that mean that we have the ability to go ask God for 15 more years? Well, 
I don't know, do you need 15 more years to do what God wants you to do? Hezekiah evidently did, and he asked God, and God gave it to him. But I want to point something out. As I said at the very beginning of this message, he did die eventually. You see, there's been only one man who's beaten death, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He conquered death and the grave. Everyone else, even those that were blessed with longer years, eventually went into the grave. It's only Jesus Christ who had power to come out. And that's why we praise Him. That's why we find evidence that He is God's Son. And that's why we have life in Him when we put our faith in Him. But Hezekiah eventually had to go to the grave. He's not walking around today. He's not leading Judah or Israel or anything else. He eventually had to go to the grave, like everyone else. But here's what we find in this passage. That God is a God of great things. Think about that for a moment. He is a God of great things. Now, let's just stop for a moment and consider this prayer request in closing here. I would say this is a bold request, wouldn't you? To ask God for more years when you're about ready to die? That's a bold request. Let's say if he never would have asked it. You know, I, I remember growing up, I learned in, you know, in school and at home and in church that you're not going to get something usually if you don't ask for it. And children usually pick that up quick, so they learn how to ask for a lot of things, and they ask and they ask. But you know, as, as we get older, sometimes we stop asking God. I'll be the first one to tell you, I've been guilty of not asking because I just didn't think it would happen. It's a lack of faith. You say, Pastor, you've done, oh yeah, I know I've had a lack of faith at times. I just haven't asked. Well, think about that. How many things have you not asked for? Now, we think of all the things we ask for. You can think of those things. But how many things have you not asked God for? Have you ever thought about that? How many things have you not asked the Lord to do? Sometimes we don't ask because we don't think there's going to be an answer. What we're doing is we're limiting God is what we're doing. If there's something God's put on your heart, Something that is a burden. Something that's a problem. Ask God for help. Ask God for it. Someone said, well, He might not give it to you. Well, He may say no. But you're not going to know unless you ask, right? Ask God for these great things. Let's not limit God by our prayers. Let's not limit God by small requests. Because our God is great. Our God is mighty. Let's ask God for great things, folks. Let's ask God to do great things in our church. Let's ask God to do great things in our family. Let's ask God to do great things in our personal life. Let's ask God to do great things here in this city. Let's ask God for great things. And things that people might say, well, uh, that's, that's crazy to ask for that. Well, then we can say, look, when God answers, you can say that's because God did it. That's because God is great. You know, I've often wondered, you know, of course this prayer seems to be a, a private prayer but between Hezekiah and God. And it, uh, of course Isaiah was filled in later. But if anyone would have heard this prayer, they might have said, don't pray that prayer, Isaiah, Hezekiah. God's not going to give you more time. You just got to accept it and kind of go into, into death. Well, you know what? He didn't accept that. And he asked God and God blessed him. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.